between Christmas and New Year is always kind of an interesting week, right? And uh, a lot of times the joke in pastoral ministry is it's when the senior pastor goes on vacation and the associate pastor preaches. And so all across the country today, a lot of associate pastors are stepping into the pulpit because the senior pastor is like, peace, taking a break. See ya. Um, but in this case, our associate pastor is out sick today, so we pray for him <laughs> and pray for, for his family. And uh, so I'm here with you again today, and we're going to take a moment today, and we're going to push pause. That little button on your VCR, and you're like, what? That little button on your disc man, your walk man, remember those? That little button on your, what were those little, see, look at, that's how old I am. I forgot when we started, those little, like, um, before everybody had music on their phones, they had them on something else. iPods, yes. Yes, those little iPods. Pause. You know, now you have all your phones. Pause. Now you can pause live TV. You can pause everything, can't you? Except it's very hard to pause life, isn't it? It's hard to slow down and say, hold on a second. Let's just stop the forward movement. Let's stay right here in this place. It's right here in this moment. Wherever you find yourself in relationship to other people, in relationship to God, Wherever you find yourself emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, wherever you find yourself today in this 26th of December, this week where we just had Christmas just yesterday, and I don't know about you, but I was in the grocery store the other day, but I think I saw some Valentine's cookies. Seriously? I mean, it was, I think it was the day before, it was like the 23rd. I was going to pick something and I was moving past and, and Stater Brothers and I was like, what? we can't just like calm down for a minute. We can't just stop. It was like, just stop it with the cookies because you put the cookies out. This guy is going to eat them. And I was like, can you stop for a moment and push pause? When you pause at places in your life, you could kind of take assessment. You ever fall down real hard? Maybe you're hiking in the mountains. Maybe you're playing a sport. Maybe you're walking around the house and you fall down. You're like, and you got to like reassess. Like, Is everything okay? Is anything on backwards? Is everything good? I've had a few times playing sports and mountain biking and stuff and you just total wipe out, right? And then you're like, oh, we good here? Is everything in place? What about your heart? Have you ever stopped and looked at your, your heart and said, is everything in place here? Am I out of balance in any place in life? Very early on in my Christian experience, my youth pastor, who I had the pleasure of marrying into the family, so we were together at Christmas last night, uh, yesterday, and um, very early on in my Christian experience, my youth pastor taught us about being a whole person, and that sometimes when we become Christians, we kind of take our spiritual life and we let that, in our church kind of experience, we let that swallow the rest of our life and we forget that we are also psychological beings, we are also physical beings, 
and we have this whole person to kind of attend to. And if we're going to attend to our whole person, sometimes we need to slow down and just kind of take inventory. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about pushing the pause button in life and just kind of reflecting, try to think a little bit deeply about some things wherever you are in life, drill down on maybe some components of your life, and to kind of take a little bit of inventory and say, where am I here at the end of 2021? And the main topic of this morning's message is this, reflecting in worship for the purposes of gaining insight from God. And so I know that when we think of that word worship, the first thing that comes to mind is what we just did, right? In singing. Well, you know, all of your life is worship, all right? All of your life. And what you're doing right now, you are worshiping God by saying that God is worthy to listen to the preaching of His Word. That's what you're saying right now. When you serve other people, you say, well, God is worthy of my serving of His people. So when you're giving and you're serving, you're operating in all these wonderful ways that you do, you're, you're worshiping. So right now in this place, you've decided that God is worthy of your attention, that God is worthy of your time and energy to be here, and God is worthy of your focus. And so let's try to give Him that this morning. So reflecting in worship for the purposes of gaining insight from the Lord. The first place I want to take you is the book of Psalms. Psalms, excuse me, Psalm 62 is where I want to guide your attention. And we're going to look at the first four verses of that psalm. And the first thing that we're going to recognize in, in, in this section is that reflection as, a, as an act of worship, we're going to talk about what that is and what that looks like, okay? So if the main topic of this morning is reflecting in worship for the purposes of gaining insight from the Lord, what exactly is reflection in worship? And I know that you probably already experienced this. You probably just did this. As you were singing these songs, or if you were just listening to the songs, either one, something was going on in your heart. Now, you may have thought about the football game that's coming up. You may have thought about what you're eating for lunch. But then again, you may have thought about some people in your life that you love, right? You may have thought about some pain in your life. You may have thought about some joyful things that are going on in your life. If you're a normal human being, you are probably in and out of that, right? You, you are probably fighting maybe some distractions that you have going on at home, maybe some distractions that you have going on in, in your life. Maybe you heard a noise outside. Maybe you saw a flash of a car drive by. Meanwhile, you might want to know that the reason why we put up these black curtains is because I, I can't stay focused. And when I'm preaching, if somebody walks over there or walks over there, I'm in the middle of my own sermon. I'm like, who's that? Where's that? Why are they walking to the children's ministry? Calm down, Pastor Focus. Right? But this idea of pausing, slowing down, reflecting as an act of worship, let's look at that starting here in Psalm 62. The psalmist writes, and let's read, first of all, the uh, first four verses. For God alone, my soul awaits in silence. For in him, for him, from him, excuse me, comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I, will, I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with the mouths, but inwardly they curse. Now, David, as he's dealing with his enemies. 
as he's dealing with people trying to, he's, he's the tottering fence in, this, in these verses. David is, okay? This is a psalm of David. He's the tottering fence that's being attacked. He's the one that's trying to be where people, he has been anointed to be king, but people are trying to push him over. And so he makes this statement, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. Now this is very important that you learn the skill and the discipline of being silent before God. See, we're not good at that, are we? I'm always wanting noise. I'm always wanting sound, input. I either have sports talk radio on, religious podcasts on, news, good grief, but like that. Uh, <laughs> music, I'm not a big music guy, but sometimes music. And so we always kind of have to have this noise. And we've lost in our society a lot of the discipline of silence. And here David, as he's anointed, God has big plans for him, right? God has massive plans for David. And people are attacking David. And what does David say? I'm going to, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. When you think about that word that this um, section ends with in verse 4, and it's repeated again, and we'll look at that shortly, but that word selah, you're like, well, what is that? Is it the name of a Christian bookstore? Well, yes, it is, but it's actually a musical notation that means pause. But the non-musicians of the day in the Jewish culture of the Old Testament started taking that word, and as they would musically pause, the Jewish person in their heart, in their place of worship, because these psalms were the songs that they sang in their worship services in the temple, the tabernacles, So as they sang this song and they paused when it got there, the Jewish tradition would be them repeating back to God, may it be forever. So they would reflect back upon that thought and say, God, may it be forever. Now also what they started to do with this little musical term is use it for a time of let's think about it. Let's just kind of sit and mull over and chew on and think about, another word, ruminate on the Scriptures. To just sit with a passage, one or two verses, read it, sit silently in your chair, and simply allow the Word of God to sink deeply into your soul. Ruminate on all the different ways that that text might apply to your life. What might have been going on when it was written. And just let that turn over and over and over in your mind. No need that every time you approach the Scriptures for you to read two, three, four, five chapters at once. One time on an airplane to Oklahoma, flying to Oklahoma from California, I read the book of Revelation. It was fun to read it in one setting. That's fine. Another time I sat and I read the entire book of John. Just sat in the woods and read the entire book of John. That's great. Read the whole story. That's fine. But then there are other times when it's, you just catch a statement. Maybe a sentence, maybe a phrase, maybe a word. (laughs) And you just sit with that verse or that phrase or that statement. You just let the Lord speak to your heart. And that's what David is talking about in this. He says, I'm gonna, God is worthy when people are trying to push me over, when people are trying to overwhelm me, when all is against me, but I have a great calling, but everyone's fighting against me. It's good to sit in silence with God and just let the word of God ruminate in my heart and so as you begin to reflect in worship 
and reflect. If worship brings focus on God as the source of your salvation from those who seek to do you harm. So all that's going on in our world today, right? And we have people attacking one another in all sorts of areas. Every time you do watch the news, because you're trying to keep up, you're trying to know what's going on, it's just one attack after another. You go on social media, one attack after another. Attack is the name of the game, right? Attack your opponent continually. Because humans do that. Humans take people that they disagree with and they attack them. Instead of trying to learn from them, instead of trying to to grow in our experience and our understanding of, of life and the world, we tend to find our position based upon our own personal opinions and experiences, and then we attack those that have any other opinion and try to push them down and raise ourselves up. So we're constantly attacking people and constantly being attacked. Well, at some point in your life, you're going to have to get with God and you're going to have to quiet the noise down and you're going to have to say, let me just reflect on God and God alone, on His Word and His Word alone. Let me silence my critics. Let me silence those that agree with me and let me simply get and spend some time in silent reflection and trusting that God is the source of my salvation. God is the source of my wisdom. God is the source and path for my decision making and how I'm going to live my life. And I'm going to let my critics be my critics and I'm gonna let those just be silent over there my son and I were talking Brent who you know you guys know we were talking the other day and he uh, told me that something that he heard that's been very helpful for him and that's been now very helpful for me he says why would somebody's opinion of me matter if I would never ask for their opinion <laughs> think about that one for a little bit so let's say you don't care about my opinion you would never ask me for my opinion and then I came with a criticism, criticism towards you. Who cares? Because you were never going to ask for my opinion in the first place. So if all these people saying all these things and then people get mad, right? You watch the news and the purpose of many of the news broadcasters is to do what? Make you angry at your opponent. They want to make you angry. They want to stir up your anger. Well, I'm not asking their opinion, so why would I value their opinion in the first place? It's almost like if I want someone's opinion, I'll ask for it. And if I don't, I won't. And if they give it unsolicited, I'm going to ignore it. (laughs) And I'm going to get with God. And I'm going to say, Lord, what do you think? And then I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me to people that I know love me. And I'll ask their opinion. Right? Because if, if I know you love me, then I'll ask for your opinion. Say, what do you think about this? Because you love me and you're going to tell me the truth whether it hurts me or not. You're going to tell me the truth based upon my own, for my own benefit because you care about me, right? I'm probably also going to ask for your opinion if I think you have some wisdom in that area. You would be fool to come and ask me for information on how to fix your car. Don't know. You would be a fool to come and ask me information on how to fi- fix the roof. I don't know. Question about the Bible? Perhaps you might want to come and ask. I kind of know a lot about that. I don't know everything. You want to know something about raising kids? Been there, done that. You want to know something about being married for 31 years? I could help you do that too. But you're on your own with your car. Sorry. (laughs) You're on your own with your roof. Can't help you there either. So reflecting in worship helps us to focus on the fact that God alone is our source of salvation. But we also, as we move forward in the psalm, we discover that reflective worship is pouring out our hearts before him. So there's that aspect of sitting in silence, but then there's this aspect of pouring our hearts out before God. And we need both of those. 
Okay, we need both of those. Let's look how he goes on in verses 5 through 8. He says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is, in, is from you. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rest my salvation and my glory and my rock. My refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people, and pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. And trust me, all throughout the Scriptures, people pour out their hearts before God in ways that some church folk in America today would think was blasphemous. Some people coming and saying, challenging God and saying, you promised this, but I see this. What's going on, God? All throughout the Scriptures. You also have Jesus on the cross. God, why did you forsake me? Why did you leave me here alone? You can pour out your heart with all of your anger. The best prayers are when you're broken, hurting, and angry at God. And he says, finally, we're getting honest. <laughs> finally, you're getting rid of these little flowery kind of King James prayers that you think I want to hear. And God says, you throw all that in the trash can and let's, if you're angry, come on. Bring that pain to me, pour it out. Got questions for me? You think I failed you? Come on, let's, let's, let's do this. Bring, come and pour your heart out before God. You know, God says to you, I love you. And finally, you're being honest. Finally, you're being honest could pour our hearts out before God. God's not going to get offended. God's not going to get upset with you. God's not going to push you aside. Because by the way, He already knows what's in your heart before you pour it out anyway. He already knows that you're angry with Him. He already knows that you want to walk away from Him. He already knows. And when you get honest, that's when He opens His arms and He gathers you and He says, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'll carry you through this time of doubt. I'll carry you through this time of pain. I'll carry you through this time of anger. God's big enough and strong enough and merciful and gracious enough. And so David says there are times when I have to sit in silence before God. But there are other times when I just got to pour my heart out before Him and say, Lord, this, this is just scary and this is terrible and this is horrible. I don't know what to do. And then God begins to lead and guide. So reflective worship, it helps us rest in, fact, in, the, in the fact that God is our salvation. It helps us be able to pour our heart out before God. But also reflective worship. Reflection can reveal the state of our work of our life. Notice how this psalm completes in, the verses, in verses 9-12. through 12. He says, Those of low estate are but a breath, and those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances... They go up. They are together lighter than the breath. In other words, the rich and the poor, we want to take, and what do we do today? We take things of extreme, right? The extreme poor and the extreme wealthy, and we put them against each other. It's called Marxism, by the way, but anyway, that's a whole other message. <laughs> and we make it out to be that this fight that we have in life is against the rich and the poor. And this is where the battle lies. Well, the psalm says, oh, no. Because together, even the rich and the poor, they're, they're, they don't hold much weight, he says. Then he continues to go on. He says, put no trust in exhortation. Set no vain hopes in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this that power belongs to God and that you O Lord belong or excuse me and that you O Lord 
belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. So the psalm starts out, rest silently before God, continues pour your heart out before God, and then it says, hey, the weak and the strong, that's not where you're going to gain your purpose from. And notice how appropriate that is for today. Think about something that's going on in our world. I want you to think about this. Who are the most honored in our culture right now? Who's being propped up and celebrated the most? Now listen, some of you aren't going to like this. It's the victim. The victim. Whoever is being victimized is placed at the top of the list of importance and significance in our world today. Now, you might not be noticing that, you might, and you might disagree with me, but I'm going to put that thought in your brain today that the victim is the one that's held at high esteem, and now I want you to go out and start paying attention and see how often you see that. Either the victim of somebody, somebody poor, robbed and hurt somebody, the victim. And they're a victim. The one that had to go out and rob, well, they're a victim too, and that's why they had to go rob. And the rich... Oh, they're victims of their own greed. And they're victims of victim, victim. Everybody's a victim today. And who is being celebrated? We just had, I'm not sure of the timing of this, but it was pretty recent, in Florida. And you have to excuse me, because I don't know the name. Maybe you go read this up, because it's foggy in my mind. But we had a rap star that was unfortunately killed. And then he had a street name named after him. And then a big celebration in his honor afterwards. But then you back up and you listen to his music. Good Lord. Referring to woman with the word that begins with B and the word that begins with H. Excuse me, W. W W-H. That that's how he refers to women. That's what he sings about. But because he's a victim, he's elevated. All right? Start watching that in your life. You'll see that today the biggest thing, if you, want, if you want honor and you want attention, become a victim of something. A victim of, sorry to say it like this, I'm going to sound like an old white man here and I'm going to admit it. Okay? But you want a kid, a little kid, to be raised up to prominence at school? He's a victim or she's a victim of bullying. Okay? And you put that, there's a victim. The offended, if I say something about Jesus... Oh, I'm offended. Somebody's offended. All of a sudden, they're the most important person in the world because they've been offended. We just went through Christmas, right? And a lot of the things that you see on the news is the holiday season, the holiday tree. Because if you say Jesus, you might offend someone with another religious belief. And all of a sudden, the victim of me saying Jesus is now elevated to the most important position, and none of us can say the word Jesus because we're afraid and we don't want to offend or hurt that person. Do you see what I'm saying? So in our world today, the victims are being placed up here. And everyone else is to blame for them. It's kind of an interesting position. You might not ever want to listen to me preach ever again because I just said that. Because it's very unpopular thought. And again, probably sounding like a middle-aged white man. I say, if you feel like you're a victim of something today, And you might be. I don't know. But that is not the badge of honor that you want to carry with your life. 
If you are a victim of something, the badge of honor that you want to carry is victory in overcoming those that have hurt you, overcoming the pain that has entered your life. You don't want to fly your flag, or flag of pain around and say, look at me, I'm a victim, look at me, and this is, I'm just going to be a victim for the rest of my life because someone hurt me and someone abused me. Is that, is that the message we want? No. We want to admit, perhaps, that we've been victimized or hurt in some way, but I think that we need to take that pain go wait on God silently, go pour out our heart before God and say, Lord, help me to be a victor. Help me to be the one that overcomes. Lord, work in my life in such a way because you are my salvation and you are my rock that whoever has done something to me or whatever I've done to myself, that you would give me victory and healing and restoration and that that would be the people that we honor the most, right? And that would be the people that start to gather all those others that have been hurt and victimized, all those others that have been mistreated and devalued, that the victor, victorious people, the ones that have received the restoration in Christ, they would reach down and take those that are hurting and those that feel like they've been abused beyond repair, and they can show them the love of Christ and begin to raise them up once again as well. Hmm. Maybe that's the way the church should behave. Maybe that's why God is calling us in this psalm to say sit silently before me pour out your heart before me and let the lord judge your work moving on from this idea of worship and reflection i want to take you to another passage of scripture and talk to you for a moment about this idea that god will give us insight as we reflect on the teachings of others so a yes alone with god's word in silence pouring out our hearts before god but then I want you also to be able to, what happens when we gather together? So that's alone side with God, now together with other people. Notice in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. It says this, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will be able, excuse me, who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serves as a sol- serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown unless or except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to to receive the share of the crops. Verse 7, reflect on what I am saying for the Lord will give you an insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, and this is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. So here is Paul in prison for preaching the gospel. He's suffering for doing the will of God. The will of God has resulted in his suffering, but the growth and spread of the gospel among the Gentiles. And so that's where Paul finds himself. And he's at the end of his ministry. 2 Timothy is probably the last book that Paul the Apostle wrote. And he sent it to young Timothy, pastoring most likely in the church in Ephesus. And he sent this letter to Timothy to tell him that he's at the end of his ministry and Timothy at the beginning of his, that this is how you're going to press forward. And he says, those things that I've taught you pass on to other people that are able and called to teach as well. And then, ver- and then he gives these three examples 
on how to move forward in the teaching of others and receiving the teaching of others. As suffering as a soldier, competing as an athlete, and working as a farmer. He uses those three examples. Now, I don't know what examples we might use today. Maybe the same ones. Don't know. But the point of the matter is, how do we be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ? How do we do this? How, how, do, how are we living out our strength that is in Christ, given to us as we are in Christ, in right relationship with Him? Well, the example is we act like a soldier. And we don't get all entangled up in the things of the world. We simply want to please Christ. Third thing is we compete according to the rules, the Scriptures. <laughs> and third thing is, as we teach, we are the first to learn and the first to benefit from the Word of God. Before you, if you're learning anything right now, according to this message, well, I've been dealing with this all week, and hopefully I'm the first one to listen, the first one to obey this Word, and now I'm helping you to obey it. But if I'm not obeying it, I'm just coming here and telling you, kind of that old saying, you know, do what I say, not as I do, or however that goes. Well, that's nonsense. But I want to draw your attention to verse 7. And Wes, if we can bring that verse up there, where, where verse 7, yes, right there. I just want you to think about this for a second. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight to this. Now notice, this verse should be every time you hear any sort of preacher, any sort of Bible study, any sort of spiritual discussion, you should walk away from that and reflect on it. You should take maybe some notes. We'll talk about some practical ways to do this in just a moment as we finish up. But every time you hear something, maybe I listen to sermons and podcasts and this stuff throughout the week. I have discussions with other friends and, and believers, and some of you we have discussions. And then what happens is we end that conversation, the podcast in, the message ends, and then we got to go think about it for a while, right? We got to go think about it for a while. And a lot of times when I'm in a discussion with my mentor, I don't understand a lot what he says when I'm talking to him. And some of the things that he tells me at first, I want to kind of disagree with because they don't sound quite right at first. And then I get away and I end the conversation. And somewhere in the next two weeks, usually a light dawns in my mind that tells me he was right all along. <laughs> because I have to reflect, I have to think, you know. Because I'm, I don't, maybe I'm slow to learn. <laughs> but as we do this, I, I want you to know that as you reflect on what you're hearing on what you're reading, on what you're discussion, discussing. If you'll take some time to simply reflect and slow down, the Lord will bring you understanding. The Lord Himself will speak to your heart and confirm in your heart what you should pay attention to, what you should pay attention to, what you should apply, and perhaps what you might want to ignore. So let's end it this way. I want you to bring focus to your reflective worship. That's my challenge for you today. Okay? And this is how I want you to do it. Go to the next thing. And we're going to look at these pretty quick. Worship is not a time to multitask. Okay? And I know that's hard sometimes. Especially for those of you that are watching online. Perhaps you're watching online and you have it on in the living room. You've walked into the kitchen for a second and now you're coming back. Or you've returned a text. Or you're checking your stock portfolio. Or whatever you're doing as you're doing this. Worship is not the time for multitasking. <laughs> Okay, worship is a time to try to be singular in focus. Another idea is to sit silently after reading a portion of Scripture, right? And so maybe you just read a verse. Close your Bible and just sit there. Just sit there for five minutes. 
If, you, if this is new to you, this is kind of what I want you to read a verse of Scripture or do the Oswald Chambers model of reading the Bible. You just read until one thing sticks out to you and then close the book right there. That's the one thing for the day. You're ignoring all else. And it might have been one verse. It might have been three chapters. But you read, oh, one thing stuck out, close the Bible, and then sit there. And just start with one minute. Move on to five minutes. You might be surprised what the Lord starts doing in your life if you would read the book, close it, sit silently. A third recommendation is to take some notes as you listen to sermons or other forms of teaching. Just take a few notes and then maybe on Tuesday, go back to it and say, Lord, I, I wrote this down during the message at church. And go back and think about that and sit silently with it. You'll be surprised what God does. Maybe write out your reflections in a journal. Maybe you're the, I, I have a few journals around. I've done some of that. Maybe, you have a, maybe you're weird and you have like a Bible that's not on your phone. I don't know. Maybe jot down a few notes in the margins. They actually make a Bible that has really big margins so that you can, act, so that you can write in it. That's like the purpose. It's the wide margin version of the Bible. They've got all kinds, right? And you just scratch that out and to do that. Maybe you want to tell Siri to make a note and you wanna, you'll come back to it later. I don't know. But write something down so you can go back. That's one reason why I don't read books online. I, 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 just, I, I need to have it in my hand or I need to scribble in it. If you're in my office, a lot of the books that you pull off the shelf have scribbles all over them and a star system that I have and another key little notes that I put all over the place, right? Because I want to go back and look at those and, and then reflect what was going on in my life when I made that little note. Another thing is to think out loud with some others. Maybe you read the Bible, you sit silently for five minutes, and then you get on the phone and you say, hey, man, I'll, yeah, I'll call a friend. You know, and say, hey, I was just reading the Bible and I read it, came across this verse, and I think it means this. What do you think? Oh, I think it's this. Really? Huh. Well, that's interesting. Hey, thank you for helping me start, sort through that. And think out loud with other people. And say all kinds of things that you, you, you might hear something come out of your mouth and then go, no, I, I checked that, erased that. I didn't like the way that sounded. Because you're just thinking out loud with other people with God's Word. And then I want you to think this way. Consume less, reflect more. Consume less, reflect more. So if you're right now, if you're reading two chapters in the Bible, closing it and going on about your day, I want you to read less. Don't read two. Read one. Read half. <laughs> read less than you're currently reading. Can you imagine if you actually went to church today and your pastor told you to read less of the Bible? But I want you to read and then sit silently and reflect with it. Maybe listen to fewer podcasts. Maybe listen to fewer videos or watch fewer videos and reflect a little bit more. So consume less and reflect more.